Hi, and welcome to The Queers Are Watching. That's Hannah. And that's Sarah. And we're here even though I'm still sick. Sorry. So if you hear cough drop sounds, like some weird, like, yeah, like that, <laughs> then that's Sarah's cough drop, but it's probably better than like explosive coughing right in your ear. We're going to try and edit that out as best possible. Or we can have a car alarm in the background. <laughs> All right. I'm leaving that in. Okay. I don't care. Okay. So we're going to do something a little different this time. We were going to do a full episode on one particular movie, but the movie was so very upsetting that we didn't want to do a whole episode on it. So we will be talking about that. But real quick before we jump in, I wanted to give a shout out to Lainey on Tumblr who had sent us a message like who knows how long ago. Like I don't think it even tells you when something was asked. But, like, I finally logged in after months of, like, not logging in. There was, like, a bunch of questions. And I was like, oh, crap. People actually listen and respond. (laughs) I was shocked. I was like, oh, my God. Like, people actually were interacting. And every episode I get on here, I'm like, no one ever talks to us. We're so lonely. (laughs) No one's listening. No one cares. But you guys care. Those people are really pissed at us. (laughs) They're like, if you logged into your Tumblr... Also, shout out to Lainey for having a really cute pun as their Tumblr name. I know. I was <laughs> like, oh, how do I say their URL? But it's like, it has Lainey in it. So, and I was like, ah, I see. It was cute. Yeah. <laughs> um. So their question was, like, for some Bideen moments from Supernatural, because I guess she just listened to the Supernatural episode where we were, like, wine drunk and talking about Dustiel and um, so I answered with a bunch of links, so many links. I'm surprised I was able to add that many. But um, so if you want to check out some cool Tumblr posts um, by other people, mostly about Dean being bisexual, uh, head over to our Tumblr and you can check that out. So what we're going to do a little differently this time because of the whole sad movie thing that I mentioned earlier, we're going to talk about the sad movie and then we're going to talk about a slightly less sad movie. And it's going to be like two in one. It's a great deal. Um, And that way we won't have to be really sad the entire time. That's the hope anyway. We're pretty sad people. So yeah, I don't think that's going to work for us. Well, (laughs) we're going to try our best. Okay. So the really sad one is Boy Erased. Um, And I know some of you are probably like, Boy Erased, you're going to turn it off. (laughs) Because it's really sad and it's really fucking boring. Yeah, that's the thing is, like, I had I went in there with the knowledge that it was going to be sad just on, like, the subject matter alone, but mm-hmm. it wasn't that good on top of that. Yeah, it wasn't a good movie, and I was really disappointed in that, but I was also left, like, sad because of the content. So it's rated R. It's, uh, it was made in 2018, and it's based on Gerard Conley's memoir, and it's written and directed by Joel Edgerton. It stars Lucas Hedges, Nicole Kidman, and Russell Crowe, which, fun fact, I didn't know that was Russell Crowe the whole movie until I just looked up the stats for that movie. And I had told Sarah that I saw his name in the beginning credits, and I it took me probably 15 or 20 minutes to realize who Russell Crowe was in the movie. Yeah. And he was in the first 15 or 20 <laughs> minutes, for sure. He's so. the dad, y'all, and he's not aged well. <laughs> Poor Russell. I feel bad for Russell. 
I think part of the thing is like the only movies I've really seen with Russell Crowe are probably from like the 90s. Yeah. So and he's like really ripped. Like I think Gladiator was made in like 2000 or 99 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So. so it's been a while to be fair. It's been quite some time. Poor thing. Um <laughs> anyway, IMDb has it at a 7.1 and Rotten Tomatoes has it at an 80% for the critic score. Audience score was 78%. Okay, so pretty uh straight across the i shouldn't say straight across the board but you know what i mean <laughs> people felt the same whether they were an audience member or a critic essentially yeah <laughs> i was i got lost in a rabbit hole earlier of reviews and it was like not good like some of them like some of the critics were like it was really good and it was really well intentioned and i believe that it was well intentioned but i just like as a director it was minimal, limited. Like, he didn't use any of his directing abilities to create narrative at all. It was kind of like we were just watching something happen. Yeah, I would agree with that. There were, like, a couple times where I feel like something was being utilized, but mostly it was just watching actors talk and yeah. do things. And I kind of felt like they were giving, like, a good dramatic performance, but they were stifled by the material they were given. Mm-hmm. So that was really sad because there's a lot of good actors in that film. Yeah, the acting was great, but yeah, it it was very subdued in like a way that I feel like I didn't enjoy very much. Yeah. And like I wrote down a pros and cons list for myself. So like pros I put explores conversion therapy, um, will touch the streets <laughs> is something I wrote. Well, yeah. And, you know, the fir- I think one of the first things I said to you about it once I had time to like formulate actual thoughts about it versus just crying um i think one of the first things i said was like it felt to me like a movie made to show straight people about conversion therapy and for me as a queer person i feel like i didn't walk away with anything for myself yeah it felt and maybe as like a an aware queer person like i think we run in circles where we've heard of people going to conversion therapy we've seen like think pieces and academic articles on conversion therapy so we're really aware of what goes on in there like if you have never heard of conversion therapy or anything like that if you saw this movie you would be shocked i think Um, yeah maybe that's part of what maybe like the shock value wasn't there for me and it was there for other people and that's part of what felt empty about the movie to me like even the moments that were horrifying weren't really shocking yeah, it was I just, agree. That's weird, right? Yeah, like you're just watching, you're watching an atrocity happen that you already are completely aware of and almost numb to. And so that makes it kind of fall flat, I think. I will say that my straight cousin had said that she wanted to see this movie because she, one, likes Lucas Hedges, who plays the title character. And then two, she said, I've never heard of conversion therapy before. And she's 21. So she's not like a baby but she's also not gay and so it kind of surprised me that she had said that to me I was like you've never heard of conversion therapy and I had to explain to her like what it is like what they do and she was like shocked so it's interesting too because I'm trying to think of other instances in pop culture where someone would be like exposed to conversion therapy and the only one I can think of is American Horror Story in season two Asylum Mm-hmm. Um, is her name Lana Winters? Is that her name? Uh, yeah. So she is basically put through 
an extreme form of conversion therapy involving electroshock therapy um, for her attraction to women. And that's really the only thing I can think of in pop culture that like a 21 year old would know. Um, But even that, it it might seem different because it takes place a long time ago. And also it, it takes place in a horror TV series. Like, she might think, like, oh, no one would ever do that. That was written as fantasy. Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, see, there's another disconnect. Because for me, the horror of that moment is... Is it's real. Is that that happened (laughs) and still is happening. So... Also, like, the only thing I could think of, like, that portrays conversion therapy is... um, But I'm a cheerleader. Mm -hmm. And, like, a lot of gay people I know have watched that movie, but not a lot of straight people. And it's also, like a satire it's a comedy yeah. yeah so they may see it as something that's like like it's supposed to be like a campy version of something that's extreme that they still don't think is real right right because it's they they're probably like oh like something like this format happens but this is exaggerated it's yeah. really it's not that not, exaggerated it's it's made to be funny yeah. the but... funny part is that we're all dying like that, that's the funny part yeah <laughs> oh i one other thing that i will give it credit for it paint did not paint religion as all entirely homophobic. Like, yes, these people were using their religion for that, but it was very clear that, like, the mom had empathy and understanding for her son's gayness. And she wasn't, like... Like, at first, she was, like, struggling with her religion and her spirituality, but then she was like, no, this is wrong. Like, I know that this is morally incorrect to do this to my kid, and I can still love God and love my kid. And ultimately, her struggle wasn't really with her spirituality. It was with the patriarchy. Yeah, with her, with the husband. Yeah, because basically she said, like, I didn't feel good about this the whole time. Like, I didn't really, I didn't look into it more because that's what your father wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And, like, he even he admitted, like, he didn't look into it either. Like, he just heard from his other pastor friend that, like, this is what you do to gay kids. And he was like, okay. Yeah. And I mean. So abuse is what we're saying. Yeah. And that, that is something that. I know for a fact happens very commonly where one parent, I'm going to say usually the mother kind of has mixed feelings, but chooses to stay silent because of the patriarchal culture that we live in, in which, especially in religious communities of some kinds, like the man of the house makes the decisions and the wife's job is to, you know, obey, honor and obey. Yeah. And and, like, he is the literal pastor of their church. So it's, like, even more amplified for yeah. her. But, yeah, I agree they didn't paint um, religion as... Like, the enemy? Yeah. So before we go into this part, I just want to say um, content warning, trigger warning for sexual assault. Um, it's not good. So be careful. Okay. So should we talk about the rape scene? Oh, yeah, let's talk about that. I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. It was not that. I didn't even know there was going to be a rape scene at all, so it really surprised me. I mean, I saw it coming in the narrative of the film. Like, I saw that, like, the steps leading up to it, I was like, oh, he's going to get sexually assaulted right now. But I did not expect it to be that long, Mm -hmm. that scary, I think. It was really unsettling. And I struggle with that a little bit because, like, if the movie was setting out to make you really uncomfortable and feel triggered, it certainly accomplished Mm -hmm. that. The way that the scene was shot and the amount of time it went on was just enough to really creep you out and really make you feel sick to your stomach. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the thing is, like, okay, so if you set out to do that, you did that successfully, but why? Like, 
if it's part of the narrative that the person gets sexually assaulted, that's one thing. Like, mm-hmm. that's another discussion, I guess. But to show it for that long, to show that, like, gay people do get raped. But I think what really unsettled me is that after all of that was done, we have to watch the rapist cry about how he's so sorry that he did that and he doesn't know what's wrong with him. And the implication is that Jared, the main character, is comforting him after he raped him because he knows what it's like to be repressed as a homosexual in a religious community. So basically the implication is if you repress this enough, you're going to create a bunch of rapists. And I don't know what that says about gay men. Yeah, because of course that's something that happens, but it's not... It's not like super common. And it's not exclusive to gay people. Yeah. Anybody that has any kind of repression has the potential to do terrible things to other people. Correct. So yeah, I don't know that I appreciate the kind of like making us sit through that just to be like, oh, look, some gay men rape people because they're so uncomfortable with themselves and let's have empathy for them. I'm not sure. Like, I remember thinking, okay, are we supposed to have empathy for him or is this supposed to make us just more uncomfortable and we're not supposed to? I don't know, but I didn't have empathy for him and I have empathy for everybody. And I was just like, so skeeved out by that. I was like, no, I can't feel bad for this person. Like he made an active choice to be a rapist. And apparently he was doing it to, like, a bunch of other people, not just one person. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. And I feel like it's interesting because I think about if that scene had been played out in a different way, I could see, like, possible scenarios in which the audience at large could have empathy for him. But that the way that it actually played out, no. Absolutely not. Yeah. So aside from all of that stuff... (laughs) Um, I feel like the film was lacking because we never explore, like, what Jared's, like, mental state is. We're expected to just, like, watch and infer what he should be feeling. And we never, like, get any, like, light on his internal struggle, which really bothers me. Like, well, that's another reason why, to me, it felt like it was meant for a straight audience. Because you really are just watching what is literally happening. There's nothing in the way that things are shot or like the tone or the mood of the movie that tells you anything about his internal feelings. So you're really watching from the outside in. Yeah. I think ironically that would have just provided people with empathy, like a tool for empathy to see like how much this traumatized him. And instead we're just like watching what's happening to this person and expected to feel bad. And then it just skips to the future and it's like, oh, now he's happy and he has a circle of gay friends and a boyfriend and he's happy in that space. And you're just like, okay, it's fine now. Like, is that what we're supposed to feel as an audience? Like, oh, I feel bad, but it's okay now. <laughs> I don't know. It it was kind of like the it gets better narrative of like, because there is a character that ends up killing themselves in the movie. We don't see it. Um, luckily yeah we didn't we weren't forced to watch that thank god (laughs) um but so the implication then is like oh well it's so good that he didn't take that route because Mm -hmm. he has all this stuff that he can enjoy now because he chose to live or because he had the he was lucky enough to be able to cope in some way or another yeah um but at the same time 
it's at the end you get shown very clearly that his relationship with his father is still fucked up and like no amount of friends can fix that relationship and that that clearly bothers him and it's kind of implied that he's kind of making peace with that he's like you're either in my life or you're not so bye i'm gonna go have a great time and like the ending where he like drives off is like him like setting himself free from those i guess ideas and like restrictions but even so, it seems like not a lot of time has passed in between, like, what happened to him at the conversion therapy place and him having, like, this new queer life. And so it kind of seems like that's, like, the implication is, like, in a few years, you'll get over it and your parents won't matter. But, like, the truth is that's something you struggle with for the rest of your life. Not only that, but he's, at the end, he's a writer and he writes basically exposés about what happens in these conversion camps. And, like, so not only is he, like, well-adjusted, he's also, like, openly writing about his trauma and sharing that with other people for the good of the world or whatever. But I don't think that... I don't know. That's another thing that seems unrealistic to me, that he can go from something not traumatizing to just, like, oh, I'm going to write about it and I'm going to make money that way. I think it didn't seem traumatizing to him. I think that's the whole thing. Like, it kind of just seemed like he was, like, okay, um, this thing is happening and... I don't buy it. I don't believe it. Like, he was constantly like, this is dumb. And he was, like, fighting against it. But, like, maybe he was. Like, maybe that's the kind of person he is. But he also didn't seem to, like, have any leftover trauma about it at all. Yeah, like, I guess for him that was his normal. So he just... I have no idea. I don't know. Everyone else seemed way more traumatized than him. Yeah, agree. <laughs> um, One other thing I will say is that I... Did... They tried to do like a nonlinear format and it did not work for me at all Mm -hmm. um, because it was kind of too chunky. Mm -hmm. Like if you're going to do a nonlinear format, you kind of have to be cognizant of the length of time of the chunks that you're going to shift around. And this movie very much was not. It was just kind of like here you are in this chunk of time. Now we're going into the past, but we're not going to make it clear at all that it's the past. And then undisclosed amount of time later, we're back in the present. Like it just felt uneven to me and it was not very clear where we were all the time. And I could easily figure it out after a moment, but it was kind of just like, it didn't make sense to do it nonlinear. I think think that was just them trying to like make it interesting. Yeah. Make it interesting. Spice it up a little because it was boring. I feel like we've had this conversation on this podcast before of like, if you're, if your thing is, if your shit is boring, like just shuffling everything around doesn't actually improve anything. It just makes it more frustrating. I mean, we've definitely had this conversation on the podcast, (laughs) but I don't remember what movie we were talking about. Or we were just like in general, like stop doing that filmmakers. I don't know. Anyway, I don't like that. Like everything's very boring and blank and you're like oh i need to make this interesting somehow Ooh, what's artsy non-linear i'm yeah. like i'm over it <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know that's kind of all i have to say about it it wasn't like i didn't walk out like oh i hate that movie or anything yeah it was just kind of like i felt like it wasn't for me yeah i walked out like that was depressing but also boring which is a weird feeling to have feelings about something like a lot of people say like oh if a film or show makes you have feelings then it's good but I don't think so I mean clearly I don't because 
the only reason why I was really having such hard feelings about it was because we saw it right around Thanksgiving and that's the anniversary of one of my friends from high school that committed suicide and I'm pretty sure he was closeted. So that just added like a bunch of layers of really yucky stuff and it was like hard to sit there and watch that movie while I was thinking about that. So I think it had less to do with the movie itself and more like specific things that were on my mind anyway. So I don't know that it like really made me feel all that much um, if you like separate that out. Because of course it's going to make us feel something, right? Yeah, I'm not like a heartless monster, <laughs> but I am a critical film watcher. <laughs> yes. And you know, there. I don't really like torture porn and like some people really like it. Yeah, that's why I don't watch uh, Orange is the New Black anymore. Agree. I'm just over it. Yeah. Can't watch that anymore. So what would you rate Boy Race out of 10? I would probably give it like a... I want to say like a 5.5 or like a 6. Um, I would give it a 5. Okay. So we're like around the same area there. Because, you know, it wasn't like horrifically offensive. It just was not good didn't hit the mark yeah especially because it felt like they were really trying too yes it it <laughs> it's i think that's part of the thing is like it didn't feel like a movie that wanted to be kind of blank and understated mm-hmm. they were going for something and they didn't get yeah. there i think they were trying to be like oscar worthy they were oscar beating they got in their own heads yeah like, and i don't know who it was like the writers the directors like who it was but i don't know yeah it's the work of it's the work of someone that's in their own head. That's the only way I can... And the only reason I would ever give it a six is because it has a really good Choice of Wands song in the beginning. <laughs> oh, that's why. Choice of Wands in it. I love him. So, sweet little baby angel. Yeah, like, honestly, I remember the parts of the movie with him in it more than I remember, like, the movie <laughs> overall. So... That says a lot, y'all. And I'm not, like, a super Choice of Wands fan either. Like, I like him, but I'm not, like, crazy about him, so... That just says how bland. Like, I'm not, like, a stan or anything. I don't know too much about him. But I do know that I enjoy him and his Mm -hmm. music. And, yeah, I do remember a lot of parts with him in it. It was just bland. Bland movie. Yeah. Bland and upsetting at the same time. Oh. (laughs) There was no umami. (laughs) Um, It's like when you eat, like, bland soup. And then it gives you food poisoning. (gasps) No. That's mean. (laughs) That wasn't even worth eating the Not like when it gives you food poisoning. Like, when you eat bland soup and you get diarrhea. Like... (laughs) That can be food poisoning related. I mean, you don't have, like, full food poisoning. You just got, like, a tummy ache. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So, that wild analogy for you. <laughs> so, if you want to get... Um, Diarrhea. You, yeah. <laughs> if you want a poop analogy, go see in that movie. It's already out. Like, you can't see it anymore. It's gone. We went to see it last minute, kind of. So. I don't know where it's streaming, if it's streaming, because I don't look stuff like that up. But um, you can find it illegally somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. I'm um, sure. You can probably find it on Cody. We're not telling you to, to watch things. I'm not endorsing it. I'm saying that's where you can find it. If you so choose. Okay, so this next one, Hannah has a bunch of shit to tell you because she actually saw it and I didn't see it. Yeah, I invited her, but she was busy, so. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, Eventually you will watch it and then we'll do like a little recap and you can say if you agree with me or not. Okay. Um. So we're going to talk about Bohemian Rhapsody, which 
is kind of like old news, but is also current news because it just won um, some Golden Globes for Best Picture Drama and Best Actor in a Drama. So, And some people have already stopped listening because they have created the drama online surrounding this movie. <laughs> I mean, there's so like there's so many tangents of drama. I'm not sure where to start, but um, I guess I'll just tell you about the movie, which I never do. This is always Sarah's job, so this is exciting. I'm so excited for her. Okay, so it's rated PG-13. It came out in 2018. <laughs> um, <laughs> Your stiff <laughs> It was written by Anthony McCartan, who has done two other biopics 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 (laughs) i don't really have an opinion on the pronunciation of that word like i guess i'm used to biopics but then recently everyone's like no it's biopics so then it just kind of infiltrated and those people are wrong in the same way people say nutella they're wrong (laughs) so i'll just go with whatever sarah says because i don't really care either way (laughs) or another so um the other biopics that he's done um i wrote down the people they're about but not the title of the movie because that's smart there was one about stephen hawking and one about winston churchill which from what i know the winston churchill one was very um fictionalized i don't know about the stephen hawking one but so i guess that's this guy's thing is to write biopics i don't know i didn't know that here's where we get into some interesting stuff (laughs) (laughs) Because it was directed by Brian Singer. However, it was not directed by Brian Singer. It was directed by Dexter Fletcher. Because Brian Singer was fired during the filming of the movie. I didn't know that. So, some drama for you. Enjoy. Um, so, in December of 2017, it was announced that Brian Singer was fired because he wasn't showing up to work Mm. and he released a statement saying essentially that he had family issues that he was dealing with and he you know was kind of giving up the reins of the movie to someone else but he was fired um now come to find out um he's had sexual uh assault allegations against him since the 90s and i guess this is allegedly not why he was fired which is interesting to me (laughs) um because like when i saw that and then i saw that there were sexual abuse allegations against him i was like oh that's why they fired him no it doesn't seem to be why it was just like oh you're not showing up to work so we need someone else that's weird so anyway his replacement was dexter fletcher and he does not get credit because there's all these rules and, like, apparently only one director can be, like, named. Uh, yeah, it's weird. That's I don't weird. fully understand it. But basically, he doesn't get credit for directing, even though he did a lot of the work. And I don't know when exactly filming stopped. Like, I don't know if they were still, like, in the beginning stages or if they were, like, almost all the way done when he took over. But it's still wild to me that someone that was fired from that job gets full credit for it. Yeah. So, um, there's been... Some controversy surrounding that because um, this movie was nominated for some BAFTA awards, and one of them is for like best director. Oh, um, so it's it's weird. Um, okay, I don't know. So good to know. There's that, and just you know, like the sexual abuse allegations go back to 1994, ironically with Kevin Spacey on the set of The Usual Suspects. So. I, you know, I didn't look too far into 
like allegedly allegedly what happened but just knowing that there are there are allegations of brian singer involving underage boys all the way back in the 90s that's gross yeah people are upset with uh remy malik because he started working with brian singer or agreed to work with him i don't i don't really know like how much of that he knew about or you know there's been a lot of conversations recently about what people are responsible for knowing about when they choose to work with someone we won't get into all that um (laughs) yeah we'll just pass on that (laughs) but you know it's it's something to think about Uh, starring rami malik i just said that um he also you know was the winner for best actor in a drama um golden globe and on rotten tomatoes this is this is the interesting part so 62 percent critic score 90 percent audience score that is a significant difference Wow. And I also see this reflected in um, basically any review articles that I've seen online. It's basically the critic um, that wrote the article being like, this movie's terrible. And then everyone in the comments is like, shut up. This movie was great. <laughs> um, so that's pretty much the pattern that I was seeing. Like, for instance, NPR had posted, I think, two articles in a row. One of them was about Bohemian Rhapsody. And then one was about the crimes of Grindelwald, the... Um, fantastic beast sequel and in both cases they like ripped the movies to shreds and then there were people in the comments like relax it wasn't that bad yeah um which like crimes of grindelwald i was kind of like "Eh, it was fine i really liked it but like it was enjoyable and the way that the critics were acting about it was like it was the worst disaster they had ever seen if they had said that about the first movie i would agree the first (laughs) movie was terrible (laughs) but yeah so anyway um I would say that overall on the internet, people are a fan. Um, not so on Tumblr. <laughs> and I understand. But now we're going to get into more of... Oh, real quick, though. Sorry. I'm not as organized as Sarah is. I'm not organized at all. I do the whole thing. IMDb has an 8.3, which is pretty decent. And then it made $749 million box office. That's actually really good for IMDb. They're pretty hard. Yeah. On there. They're pretty harsh. They're not nice. Okay. So I'll jump into like the kind of drama on the internet about this movie. And I'll start by saying that I was guilty of judging this film before I saw it. Because the comments that I saw on the internet said it completely erases Freddie Mercury's sexuality. It tries to straight wash him. And I was right on board. I was right in the mob with my pitchfork going like, no, stop street washing people. And then I saw the movie and I was like, what is everyone talking about? So my understanding of it was that it was marketed as a movie about Queen, not necessarily a biopic about Freddie Mercury. Like that was mm-hmm. definitely part of it, but it was more of like a biopic about the band mm-hmm. and how the band came to be. Um so I was kind of surprised when people's main criticism was like whether or not it was accurate to Freddie Mercury's particular story and whether or not it was a quote unquote good representation of mm-hmm. Freddie Mercury. I, I don't know that I'm that upset about it because I was watching it more for the stuff about Queen. I wasn't like sitting there being like, is this accurate to Freddie Mercury's life? Which I don't know because I don't know about his whole life. Also, like we weren't there. So yeah, who could really and that's know. what I'm saying. Like even people that are really experts or consider themselves experts on his life 
like you weren't really there so there's no way to know for sure how things went down i'm sure there are moments that the film is skewed because the rest of the band were consultants Mm -hmm. um so of course it's going to be from their point of view or however they felt but i don't know that it's fair to say that like it does him a great disservice or anything um i think people kind of have that problem with biopics in that way like when i saw runaways like everyone was like it didn't really talk about how Joan Jett is a lesbian. And I'm like, okay, but, like, how about, like, it wasn't about her? Like, the movie's called Runaways. And it did portray, like, her, like, love for other women in some ways and her love for Sherry. But, like, it wasn't all about her. Like, it was about the band. So I think maybe that's where people are going wrong here. I actually have never seen that movie, and I want to see it. I enjoy it. Um, and that's Kristen Stewart, right? Yeah, she's okay. really hot. As right. Jenda, and um, Dakota Fanning. Oh, okay. Yeah. I liked it. I'll watch it. Um, no, I won't. But I'll <laughs> have every intention of watching it. Um, <laughs> I can force you to watch it. Like, I forced you to watch The Mummy. That's true. 1999. Yeah. I want to watch the second one. Like, I'm actually excited to. Let's do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. Sorry. Sorry for the tangent, y'all. Um, we love tangents. Um. <laughs> So one of, I'm jumping all over the place, but one of the main critiques of the film that I saw on Tumblr specifically was the whole straight washing thing, which I think is interesting because there were many a scene where it was really about Freddie Mercury's sexual orientation. Um, One of those scenes was when he was talking to his kind of girlfriend, Mary, Mm -hmm. um, and he said I'm bisexual and she said Freddie you're gay and I'm sure that that's probably a good approximation of how that conversation happened Mm -hmm. because we're not living in the same time Mm -hmm. like not to say like oh there's no biphobia anymore but (laughs) (laughs) um that was a hilarious joke (laughs) (laughs) but I think like back then that would have been probably a pretty average reaction Mm -hmm. um and people took that to mean like I don't, I don't know, like, people took that as a an erasure of Freddie saying that he was bisexual, because he did say that in real life. He identified himself as bisexual. <sighs> to me, I didn't read it that way. Like, in the movie, I think that was, like... That was, like, something that happens to yeah, bi people. <laughs> that's something that happens. So, I don't know. It, but then it's interesting, because on the flip side, a lot of the conversation was around, like the movie not being enough about how gay he was. So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to like hold those two comments together. I am assuming that it's different people that are making those comments, but maybe it's biphobia. Maybe they're like, oh, he was gay. And for him to just be like, I'm bi. And then like, because I heard that they made it a lot about like her and him. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, oh, well that erases any relationships he had with other men, which is one, not true. And two, like, biphobic as fuck for you to be like, oh, well, that's, he's not gay, so he's nothing, and therefore it's erasure. I wrote in my notes here, um, gay or nothing. <laughs> gay or nothing. Because that's how it felt a lot of the time when I was reading through comments. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the anger that I saw was about how much it focused on his relationship with Mary. I had that same complaint, but my complaint was more about the scenes being redundant. Because to me, it felt like a really long movie. That's one thing that I'll say I did not enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, It's 134 minutes, which is not exceptionally long, especially when you think of, like, 
we grew up in the age of like Harry Potter movies. Like just let's go see a fucking three hour movie and talk <laughs> about it all day. Um, but I, my issue is more with like the fact that there were tons of scenes where it's like this just feels like reiterating what just happened in a previous scene. Mm. So there were a lot of scenes between him and Mary basically like trying to reconcile like their relationship and how they felt about each other with the life that Freddie was living. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my understanding is that he did love her in real life. Yeah. Um, and I think the film did a good job of portraying him as basically biromantic and maybe homosexual. I don't know. I don't know that. And I know a lot of people hate the split attraction model. I personally like it and find it helpful. Um, but that goes back to the gay or nothing thing where they're like, mm-hmm. oh, he showed affection towards a woman in the movie. Oh, no, they're erasing how gay he is. (laughs) And it's just interesting because he has multiple relationships with multiple men Mm -hmm. in the movie. And it's not subtext. It's it's explicit. Um, So I don't know where all these people are coming from. I had heard, and I don't know how true it is, that he said in real life once that Mary was the love of his life. Yes, he did say that. So I think that's fair to say, like, yeah, you're a bisexual person. (laughs) Like, the love of your life was a woman, but you also fell in love with another man. And you also had sexual relationships with any person of whatever gender at that time. Yeah, and you know, people... That sounds like bisexual to people me. People <laughs> will come and say compulsive heterosexuality. Okay. Um, Maybe, but I don't know. At the same time, he doesn't seem like the type to... <laughs> yeah. To, to be they like... He kind of seem like the fuck you kind of type. So I'm not really sure that that's... And again, we, we can't know any of this, which is why it's funny to me that people claim to know that he was yeah. homosexual. It's speculation. It's all speculation. So I don't think the way that they portrayed him in this movie was a disservice to his sexual orientation, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I agree. Another uh, complaint that was made multiple times is that the movie was too negative about his sexual orientation, okay. which again, 70s and 80s not a super fun time to be gay um or bi so i'm not sure what people want from something like that they want i feel like we're in a time right now and i'm gonna make myself sound really old um (laughs) we're in a time right now where people especially younger people that are queer are demanding like kind of feel good stuff like where they there can be a queer character and it isn't all about how how much they suffer and how they're bullied or how they're murdered or they commit suicide or they're on drugs. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. I love those demands. Let's get that stuff like Love, Simon, which is, you know, is about coming out, but is also kind of like a Mm rom-com and it's feel good. Yeah. It's a feel good movie. I love that. Especially when we're talking about true stories though, especially true stories that took place in like the seventies and eighties. I'm not sure that the same demand can be reasonably made and executed. Because if this movie was all about, like, how great it was for Freddie to be queer, it would feel... Inaccurate. Inaccurate and, and insulting. Memory. Yeah. That's what I feel like the disservice would be, is if it was like, oh, it was so great. He had it so easy. Like, of course he didn't. We absolutely have too many sad stories, one might say, about queer people yeah. in the media. That doesn't mean we should change real life stories of people yeah. to make them happy. I'm more on board with, like... Let's have more fictional stuff that's feel good. That makes sense. Yeah. So I don't get that. I also don't get people are saying that his sexuality was demonized in the context of the film. 
because it was aligned with partying and drinking and doing drugs. I'm going to say this is a movie about a rock star <laughs> um, in the 80s. Again, like... I don't know if you know about rock stars. <laughs> like, so many drugs everywhere. Like, I, and a lot of queer people use that as a way to cope with their sexual orientation and the weird feelings that they're having or the upsetting feelings that they're having. And it's not great, but it happens. So again, not something that I would feel good about them pulling out of the film because like, oh, it'll demonize his sexuality if he is shown doing drugs and then has sex with a man. Like, I mean, it's something that happens. Like, I don't really know what to say about that. Yeah, I don't see it as demonization. Um, I don't know. Like, And I, I think that kind of is a, a war on drugs problem in America. Like, oh, when you do excessive amounts of drugs, like, you're bad, you're on a downward spiral. And, like, yes, you can get addicted to drugs and end up on a downward spiral. But I don't necessarily think that partying and doing drugs is some terrible, awful thing. Like, most people have that phase in their life, and then they either, like, become addicts or grow out of it. So (laughs) there's, like, one or the other. Those are your options. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So there's that with the partying and stuff, which I I completely agree with you. Like, that's not necessarily a bad thing, especially when you're talking about a movie about someone who is famous, because that's often part of the narrative. And I don't doubt that that was part of the actual story. He's famous, a rock star. He's rich. He's wildly dramatic. Like, all of those... He's traveling. Yeah. (laughs) All of those point to having wild parties. I'm not faulting him for that. Yeah. I guess another aspect that's kind of related to that is that people felt like he was portrayed as selfish. Which I think is interesting because to me... He was portrayed as selfish, but it was one of many aspects of his character. And he had many moments when he was wonderful and empathetic and brilliant and all these other things. And people are selfish sometimes, and sometimes (laughs) gay people are selfish. I'm sorry. Sometimes bi people are selfish. Sometimes we're selfish. I don't have to tell you. (laughs) Yeah. It's a character flaw. It's not a bisexual thing. It's not a... I don't know. And I didn't, I didn't feel like it was, it, it, that again was more aligned with him being a famous person. Like he was thrust into a world of fame and he was like, oh, people love me and there are parts of me that are insecure. So I'm going to latch on to people loving me and act a certain way and really flaunt who I am. And that doesn't make him a bad person. And I don't think the film was trying to say that at all. Even if he did make decisions and what some people would call mistakes that affected the people around him, including his bandmates. I don't think that the film was trying to be like, oh, look what a disaster Freddie was and how he (laughs) ruined Queen. I don't think that's what it was saying. I think it was saying like, look, when people are thrust into this world of fame and they're dealing with personal issues, they make decisions that end up being messy. So all of that being said, um, I would give Bohemian Rhapsody a six out of 10, which is not it. Like that's pretty low. It's low for me, I guess for the things that we've watched, but I think a lot of the stuff we've watched has been really good. That's true. Um, (laughs) So it was definitely more of like a, again, a movie that's probably mostly for straight people, but it was enjoyable. I was interested. I wasn't bored. Even when I felt like, Oh, this seems kind of redundant. I wasn't bored. I was enjoying it. Um, I don't know. It 
wasn't as terrible as people make it out to be, I think. Especially with the critics. Some critics were really ripping it to shreds. I don't know. But don't... what was their commentary on? Like, if everyone else was talking about the gay stuff. Like, were they just, like, direction, writing, acting? So basically what most of the critics' reviews were saying was that it wasn't controversial enough. It was too safe, and it was too boring, and it was, like, not wild enough. Um, and, like, <laughs> I think part of that might be because it was rated PG-13, and it's more intended for, like, general audiences versus, like, if it was rated R, I'm sure it would have gone a little deeper into his sexual encounters, maybe. I don't know if that's what people are asking for. Um, or if they're asking for more drama with the band. I don't know. Like, there was plenty of drama with the band. I don't know what they're looking for. Um, a lack of sexuality is basically what a lot of the critics are complaining about. Because there were not really sex scenes. Mm -hmm. um and we've talked about this before on this podcast where people go to see a quote-unquote gay movie and they're like they better be fucking otherwise it's not gay enough (laughs) they better be fucking that's true um one of the top reviews just says freddie mercury deserves better oh okay and i'm and again i see that comment over and over and i'm not exactly sure because oftentimes people don't elaborate on that i'm not sure what exactly they're getting at there um most people are saying that um rami malik did a great job and i would not argue with that i think he did a fantastic job okay so the critics aren't mad at him i mean he's a really good actor so um, i'm not surprised or anything yeah i think a lot of the critics are also mad at the script which i think is interesting like they're saying it's superficial and it's not complex and it's um corny Again, I don't know what they okay. wanted. Like, they wanted some, like, really artsy something. And it's not artsy. It's not. It's a mainstream biopic okay. about Queen. I still want to see it. So <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely going to see it. And I may have a reading for y'all later on. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what you think about it. I was, like, right after I saw it, I was like, Sarah, watch the movie. Because I needed to talk to someone about it <laughs> that I trust their opinion. <laughs> Because as much as you tend to rate things higher than me on this podcast, we're usually around the same area. Yeah, we usually have the same, I think, opinions on things. But, like, for me, like, if it's, like, remotely enjoyable, I'm like, yay, 10! And they're like, um, 3. <laughs> so for me to rate this a 6, like, that's not, like, if it if I really thought it was bad, I would have given it a 2. You know how I am. <laughs> A full two. Like, if I really was sitting there upset about anything, it would have definitely been five or below. But six out of ten, because I was like, this is fun and enjoyable, and I will remember it. Cool. So I'm certainly glad that we didn't spend an entire episode talking about one movie. That felt like a good way to talk about those together. I mean, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't have had that much to say about either one, so. Well, obviously you didn't see one of them. I know, but like, (laughs) even with Boy Erased, I was like, here are my thoughts. They're a whole page. And then I was like, okay, that's it. I'm over it. And here we are. Sorry, this episode wasn't very spicy. Like, it was kind of bland, like bland soup. But. (laughs) We're not going to give you diarrhea. (laughs) That's right. We're (laughs) anti-diarrhea. 
okay, so this is the second episode, at least, where we, like, talk extensively about things that come out of your butt. Is it me? Do I keep bringing this yes. up? I'm so sorry. I can't believe anyone listens to this, <laughs> honestly. We have listens on SoundCloud, and I don't know how to keep track of our iTunes ones, but for sure people are listening to us on there. So hit us up on Twitter. Or Tumblr, if we If we ever check. It. Yeah. We'll also check our email. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In the meantime, remember, the queers are watching. Bye. Bye.